This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 210. And the quote of the day is, true humility is staying teachable regardless of how much you already know. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 210. And if you've listened to the 50 that are on iTunes, all 210 are at drummersresource.com. You can also search in the top right-hand side of the website to find all of the interviews, all 210 of them, but only the 50 most recent show up on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and all that. So I've gotten, I've received a bunch of emails, people asking me where the rest of the sessions are. That's where they are. Head over to drummersresource.com. And also while you're there, sign up for my, for my email list. I can't talk today. Sign up for my email list and I'll send you a copy of my ebook, Stick Control Variations. It's 11 creative exercises to help you improve your chops, speed, independence, all that stuff. 100% free if you head over to drummersresource.com and sign up for the mailing list. So let's get into this interview today. I've been, man, this is an awesome interview for me for numerous reasons. One, because it's Chad Smith. Two, I've been a Chili Peppers fan for years. And three, I, uh, you guys know I spent a lot of time out in Oxnard at Drum Channel at DW. And Chad is there a lot too. And we've always missed each other. So there were times when he was supposed to come in and he didn't, or I was supposed to go in and I didn't and whatever, but I've always missed him. And I've always wanted to meet him. I've always wanted to talk to him and interview him. And finally it came to fruition. So thanks to the, to everybody at DW and everybody who hooked this up for me. And thanks to Laura glass, especially for connecting us. And thanks to Chad for doing, this is amazing. Uh, just super pumped about it. And we get into you know, him, his whole career and, and joining Chili Peppers and the growth of Chili Peppers and the state of the industry and all, all types of stuff. And he just shares a, a ton of great information and, you know, he's funny and he's great. It's Chad Smith. So without further ado, let's get into it with the one and only Chad Smith. Chad Smith on the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it, Chad. My pleasure, Nick. So I have uh, I've been listening to your your drumming and your albums for pretty much my entire adult life. So so it's a pleasure. So you're probably like thirty years old then. Thirty five. <laughs> thirty five years old. Yeah. Okay. So I, when I you're gonna, still just out of the crib, date. I wasn't going to date you know the band and thing. I was just going to leave it at that. No, no, we're old. I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> we're we're not boring though, but we're definitely old. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are, you just came out with this new record, uh, the getaway in 2016 and you're, you just finished up a leg of the tour, right? So you're sort of on break in the middle of this tour now. Yeah. Yep. We're, uh, we've been spending most of our time in Europe since the record came out June, July, August. And, uh, we're back out, uh, yeah, to Madrid, Spain on Sunday and we're in Europe for the rest of the year. And uh, it's been going great. And people coming to see us and playing our music and having a good time. So, um, yeah, all is well in the Chili Pepper camp at the moment. Nice. So I saw that you just released 2017 dates for, for North America. Is there a reason why you go to Europe first? Is it trial shows? Is it sort of warm-up shows? Or is it just sort of logistically how it works? I, you know, I don't know why we do that. That's a good question. Um Kind of, yeah, historically, lately, in the last few records, um, we've been going to Europe first. You know, it, it takes a long time to get around the whole world, and, and um, they like us over there, which is <laughs> nice. Um, you know, we like you over here, too. I know. We're, it's great, and we're, we're so fortunate that people want to come see us and and uh, you know, but you can only be in one place at one time. But yeah, in, in you know, Europe is a big market now, and, and more, even more so now that um, selling records isn't quite what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing live, uh, you know, on our last tour, we went to places we've never been because um, you know, places like Beirut and Tel Aviv and Athens and Estonia, Lithuania. 
you know, crazy places that wouldn't have normally been on the map before because it's not a big record selling uh, uh, market. But but right. now, you know, records, people don't really buy them like they used to, but they still come to concerts. So we're playing stadiums in South Africa. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. So there's a lot of places to play, and it's exciting for us to go to new places, obviously for us and for the fans have never seen us. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, um, you know, we start over in Europe and... Um, yeah, and then just uh, hopefully the lovely, patient North Americans and, and other places uh, will wait. I saw the tickets went on sale, and immediately it's like, I can't buy tickets at the StubHub and bought them all up. Yeah, yeah. The scalpers, I hate that shit, man. It bums me out. So how does, that, how does that work? They just buy Wait, all the tickets? I, I don't, you know. Re- because I know that we have fan thing. pre-sales. We have right. limits. We, we do all this stuff to try to... Make it, you know, available for real, you know, fans. And I don't know if they employ people to to sit, you know, on, a, on phones and just buy up, you know, four at a time. And, um, you know, there's limits on how many you can buy. We do try that. They're just, you know, weasels. And they weasel around the, the loopholes of buying tickets. And, and it, it's kind of a drag because we want tickets in, the, in you know, in, the, in our fans hands and and then so they don't have to pay you know twice the amount and stuff like that so right. it, it's a little frustrating um i don't know and i know that there was a thing with ticketmaster before where there was a company that was buying up all the tickets and then they found out that ticketmaster owned that company yeah of course it was that's like, what i mean that's the kind so, of shit that they pull yeah and then they sell them for three hundred dollars a ticket or whatever and yeah it's a bummer you know because we price our tickets really affordable i want young people to come to our shows and um yeah, and then they just they just jack them up. Man. Right. That's well. Um, I guess there's you know the good parts of the internet and the bad parts. The good part, like you were saying, I think that your music's more accessible in these places like Estonia and in Athens and things like that. And although they're not buying records, they're it's putting butts in the seats when you guys when you guys get there. So would yeah. you would you rather have it to where you're playing less gigs and selling more records, or or the way that it is this way? Um. That's a good question. I, I, you know, anyone, the, the cool thing that we did this time, anyone that buys a ticket to our concert gets either a, a digital download or a hard copy of our record. Oh, that's cool. So that's included in the price of the ticket. Um, yeah, I, I, I want people <laughs> to buy our record. You know, I, I, I got to be truthful. I, I, would, sure. I love it when people buy records. I buy records and, and you know, I want to experience it like that and, and not on a, on, a, on a streaming service or whatever. But, um, you know, this, this, is, this, is the, this is the culture we live in now, and I, I understand it. Um, but, you know, um, at the same time, I think that people should support artists in, in the proper way. And, um, you know, music is, is so important. And, uh, yeah, I just, however you can get your music out there is great, certainly for new bands and new artists, because it's a, radio is really weird. And, you know, there's no, they used to, you know, music television used to be a, a big giant radio station. That's no longer. And so there, there's a lot of different ways, but it can get it. Get, I'm a little deluded um, in how to go about getting it, but um, I think I think people figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. they just like they find out something that they're going to like or their friends like or whatever, and it's, it's that probably will never change. And it's um, got to be interesting for you. And I don't know if interesting is the right word, but you came up sort. I'm going to call it like the golden age of the music industry, where there was tons of money flying around. And everybody was making tons of money, and and now you've gone through this transition, and thankfully, you know, you guys have come out on the other side, still successful at it. But if you were just starting now, mm. how would you how would you approach it? Because you don't, you know, it's not like it's not like it was in the eighties and nineties, and you can attest to this more than I do. Like, you're nobody out there now is like, man, I just got to get signed. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the 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 power of the I guess uh, major labels are 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 much less than than it used to be back in the day that you're talking about. Of course, it was people were, you know, if you were on a major label, that meant that they felt record people or labels, you know, were so smart that they figured out that you guys are really worthy of being on a major label, and that would, uh, you know, 
that that would uh, to tell people and radio too. You know, mm-hmm. this is what is good. This is what we deem as good. So we're playing it, and we signed it. Um, but uh, you know, that's all musical taste, and that's what some one guy thinks, mm-hmm. or two guys, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just to be able to be exposed to music and good music. And but when what happens now is that there's anybody can put their music up on any YouTube or any you know streaming stuff. And and it's um, I think people need to be guided a little bit, like what's what's good or what's cool or what's quality. There's a lot of shit, and it's tough to weed through that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, like to me, there's a lot of Especially pop music today, um, and the pop is pop. You know, pop short for popular. And when I was growing up, I, I listened to pop music. It was the popular music of the day. And and you know, sure, it's not every song can be love, but like, there's a lot of good quality music. And I I don't know how you would go about. Other than to me, like if you're in a band, and I and I'm gonna say a rock band because I'm in a rock band that you need to play, and. Um, then again, there's another catch 22 of like, well, who's going to come see you if they don't hear their music, hear your music or know about you? How do you go about doing that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the internet and different, um, ways of marketing yourselves, uh, you know, you make little videos and you put them up and there's a word of mouth thing and, and kind of back towards sort of a punk rock kind of attitude of, you know, you're on the street and you're just doing it and, you know, you, hopefully, wherever you are, what city you're at, you have uh, the opportunity to be able to play, and and people will see you, and things will happen. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're good and you stick with it, um, I think good things will happen. It's just, it's just, um, there's no, you know, formula or right. kind of, yeah. I I I think it would be really difficult to be a, a band right now starting out. And, mm-hmm. Um, I have some friends I worked with this band called the Outer National from New York, from Brooklyn. I played on one of the records and me and Tom Morello produced it. And it's, and they're really good and they're passionate about everything. And they're just, but they have a really hard time. They play live, <clears throat> but it's been years and, and it's really hard to get that foot in the door. There's right. so many bands. Mm-hmm. And, and, and before that's, someone that's could just cool. scoop them up. That's great. Right. But, you know, there's only you know what it was going to you know rise to the top, mm-hmm. and and at the end of the day, you have to be a good band. You have to have something sort of unique, and you have to present it in a way that's interesting that will get catch people's eyes and ears. Right. And I always I always go back and forth on this, and I I sort of am torn between I love the power of the internet because of like what we're doing now, and this interview will go out to you know people all over the world, which is amazing, and then we could yeah. put music out and it can go out. But at the same time, you know, without I don't want to get into the whole streaming debate and all that, but but uh, you know if there's a way that they can figure out to monetize that, because at the end of the day, the, it's still career, it's still people's professions, and they have to get yeah. paid for it. Uh, yeah. So once they yeah. figure that out. Uh, which I think they will. Yeah, I hope they will. They haven't. Record companies have been very behind in that, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the, that modern day. Sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I get it, man. If I was this, when I was a kid, I stole records. I would go into stores, and and and, and I was, you know, a kid, so. I could, you can't really crotch like, you know, Black Sabbath, Master of Reality. They, they're they're going to be like, oh, that's a big <laughs> giant square under your shirt. <laughs> I used to steal 45. That's how old I am. I, I, I used to steal 45s. And um, I wanted that music so bad. I didn't have, you know, my, my little lawn mowing and, and snow shoveling jobs when I was 12. You know, that, that, that's when I, was, I didn't have enough money to buy all the records that I wanted. And, and I... I wanted music so bad and I would go into, you know, that's what I would do. I would actually break the law and I was a thief. But, so I get like, okay, I, any way to get the music for, for free, I'm I'm going to do that. I would do that. Right. You know, and it's mm-hmm. not fair to the, it's not fair to, 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 you know, people put it out and there's it's not much different than what's going on now. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just physically stealing it instead of, you know, pushing a button or, 
you know, and then, you know, your friends would have tapes and they copy the tapes and that was, that was came out. But, um, yeah, I, I understand. I, I get the, if you're passionate about music, you want to get it and you don't have the money for it. What do you do? Right. You got ways to get around that. Sure. Um, but yeah, something has to, has to be figured out. Mm-hmm. So how yeah. old were you when you, when you started playing? I started drumming when I was seven. Okay. Yep, a wee lad. Yep, <laughs> and was it on an, an ice cream tub, uh, upturned uh, ice cream uh, basket, Robin ice cream tubs? You know that they put the ice cream in, and my dad. And again, here's, there's where the thievery of my family history comes. My dad took them out of the garbage. <laughs> And come from a long home. family of thieves. I come from a long family of thieves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but more like, because I think I was just hitting stuff at home and he's like, yeah, well, you know, we gotta, we gotta give him something to hit. Oh, these look like drums. Right. Didn't, they lasted probably about a week, but, um, and, and yeah, so I just, I would, that was when I, you know, seven, they were like, you know, no parent is like, oh, let's buy little Johnny Drums. a drum set, no. you know, and make a bunch of noise in the house. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I just never stopped. I just loved it. No one ever, you know, made me or, you know, I just I just loved music. And, and my brother played guitar. He was two years older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I listened, listened to all his music, and he was really into the late 60s, early 70s, like hard rock blues bands from England, like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and Cream and Jimi Hendrix was coming out of the, coming out of England and Queen and Humble Pie and David Bowie and mm. stuff, the Beatles, all you know the usuals, the Who, um, and so I listened to all his records and and Deep Purple, like all those great drummers, you know, were were were, were my first influence, so. Um, yeah, I just and after that, I was just off to the races. I mean, I did other stuff. I played sports and 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 you know just grew up a Midwest kid. But drumming was always uh, a passion for me. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about that. When did you move to LA? I moved to LA in nineteen eighty eight, August of nineteen eighty eight. Okay, so how old were you when you moved? August of ninety eight. I was twenty uh, to twenty six. Okay, and and the reason why I asked, I for some reason. I mean, I just associate Chili Peppers, L.A., and was just thinking yeah. you sort of were born and raised there, and and you know, were just there. I I, yeah. I, never, I never thought I never knew that you were from the Midwest and then moved out there. And did you? Yeah. Move, I'm guessing you moved out there for music. I did. I did. Um, um, well, you know, and Anthony grew up in Grand Rapids till he was 12, ah. and then he moved to Hollywood. Um, Flea was born in Australia and lived in New York till he was seven, and then he moved to LA. But those the, the seven and twelve—that's really young. To that's you know you start now and you're LA. Right. But yeah, I was. Um, I, I moved after uh, I graduated from high school and started playing professionally. Uh, so at eighteen, and played in every club and bar in the Detroit Tri County area for for eight years, and um, I just felt like. You know, I'd sort of exhausted the musical possibilities of the music scene, which was really great. But there was, you go back to your other thing, you know, it's like, oh, how are you going to get in a band and then get signed and you're on a major label? And then you can, you know, that was a really big deal. And, and, and at the time, if you recall, L.A. was the big Sunset Strip scene, Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses and all the, you know, hair metal bands. Not that I was into that, but um, it seemed like, um, you know that was the place to go, and it was nice and sunny. Right. It's a lot. It's a <laughs> no lot warmer Detroit, than Minnesota. Detroit winters. Yeah, I was like, I had enough of the Detroit winters. I was like, New York would probably be another place to go to. But I had friends in LA that had moved out there, and they were like, oh, you should come out here. It was really great, and you can sleep on my couch, and you know that sort of typical cross country driving trip with my car packed full of stuff. Nice, and it's not hard yeah. to get people to convince or to convince people to move to LA. No, yeah, but yeah, I, like, you know what, I'd, I'd had a lot of friends that were, that were, I don't say a lot, a few that, you know, like, okay, man, I'm going to LA and, uh, you know, I, I know somebody and I, 
getting an audition with this band or something. And they, you know, a month later, come back with a, you know, their tail between their legs. Like it's really hard, man. It's spread out, and there's a million musicians, and you know. So I, I was a little, you know, I didn't really want to be that guy, but I was, but I, I just felt it was time. I had to, you know, I had to take a shot and give it a chance because, you know, that whole, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda kind of thing. Sure. But, um, yeah, I knew all the bands in Detroit, and I played with lots of different people, and. It wasn't really happening anymore for me, and, and I just was like, okay, it's time to go. So was it the goal, you know, when you went out there, was that, was it like, I just want to play more music, or I want to, you know, join a band and be, be you know, for lack of better words, a rock star, and be in this huge band that tours all over the world? Um, Yeah, that would be, that That was the, that would be the ultimate. I've, I always wanted to be in a, a band, and like, you know, like Led Zeppelin, or you know, something. And, or Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> I didn't know about the Chili Peppers very much. I knew of them, but I I wasn't a big, huge fan of the Chili Peppers. Right. And you got to remember this time, they were kind of an underground college band. Um, like, yeah, the guys with the socks and their dicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of wild. Okay. And so I didn't go out there for a Chili Pepper audition. I just played with other people and I worked jobs. You know, I worked on music videos and I worked on commercials and I was, you know, art department runner guy, you know, go run around in the car and get stuff and whatever. I just worked whatever job I could find and, and then played music and, um, with other people and a couple, I was in a band for a little bit out here and some other people that I knew, um, from, from actually from the Midwest. And, um, it's just kind of, you know, word of mouth and people that know people. And that's how I got the chili pepper gig in December was this girl that had been had dated John Prashante, who was the guitar player, had just joined the band. Mm -hmm. And she was now dating my friend from Detroit. And she knew from John that they were looking for a drummer. And my friend said, um, I got your drummer. I got your guy from, from Detroit. It's my buddy, Chad. He eats drums for breakfast. He's your guy. And, you know, that was it. I went in and auditioned and, Next thing you know, I'm like standing on the rocks in Malibu with a sock on my dick doing like a spin magazine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I'm in the band. Like, how the fuck did this happen? <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, musically so it was really so cool. cool out here? Yeah, well, man, it's cold out here by the ocean. <laughs> nah, you know, it was, it just, it was a half tight neck. It was a half my life ago, man. It's crazy to think about that shit. Right. And I was just like, I was like, what? Chili is a band. They got a record deal. Oh, I'll try out for those guys. I was like, you know, whatever. And then when we played, I was like, oh, these guys are rocking. This is this is cool. This is good right. energy. I, I like it. So yeah, that was that. That's how that happened. So what? Like, so walk when you walk out on stage now, 2016. Mm. You've been doing mm. this for what 25 years? You know. Almost, yeah, or more, yeah, twenty-seven, yeah. So, what's the feeling like now versus what it was then? Is it still the same? Is it is it different but still good? It, it's you different know? but still good. Yeah, it's 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 you know, you we, like we, holy shit! I can't believe I get to do this for a living. I often think like I'm I, I I'm so grateful to to do what I love to do for a living, and and then to be in a band that's like a good band that plays good music and positive music that people dig and and still come to see us after all these years, you know, and, and we're still relevant. They listen to our new music. I mean, we're so fortunate, and we don't take that for granted at all. You know, back in... So, yeah, I, 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 playing, I love playing. I'm, I will play. I'm more passionate about playing now than I probably was when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, you know, yeah, we start, we played clubs and, you know, little colleges and we played little shitholes and, and, you know, coming up and, and it was for me super exciting. Like I, I'd never really traveled outside of Michigan a little bit, but, you know, to, to go on a tour and play in other cities and have people come and see, be on a tour bus, even with 17 stinky <laughs> ass people and a crazy meth guy driving the, you know, the, the, we, didn't, we were just like, woohoo, you know, we're young, right. man. We were partying. It was great. I loved it. I was like, <laughs> this is the greatest. I've, I'm, I'm like, I could, if, if nothing changes and we just, 
play clubs and travel around, you know, and I was getting paid to do it. Right. Paid money. I was making $165 playing six nights a week, three sets a night in Detroit. Nice. So, you know, I came, I remember we did a tour, we did a, 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 a tour, a, a spring break tour with Murphy's Law. I want to say beginning of 89, a record hadn't come out yet. Mother's Milk hadn't come out yet. And we played like two weeks and I made $20,000. I was like, I'm fucking rich. <laughs> oh my God. You called all your friends. <laughs> I came over with my friends and I had to get and I cashed it all, all cash. And I just <laughs> threw it on the top. I was like, it was, it was unbelievable. It was a star. I was, I'd never seen that much money before in my life. I couldn't believe it for going and playing, you know, a bunch of crazy, a bunch of crazy, like punk rockers and these little, you know, clubs down in Texas and like having a great time. And I got home and I got, and I was like, this is unbelievable. So yeah, I mean, that spirit is still there. Obviously it's much different now. We, we travel, you know, and charter planes and we stay in the nicest hotels. We're, we're pampered fucking rock stars. And make a lot more money know? now too. And I make a lot more money. <laughs> but I have a lot more bills now. Right. Well, that's what <laughs> happens. It's okay. That's what happens. Exactly. You're, you know, you get, you get accustomed to your lifestyle and I have a wife who likes nice things and children. And, but it's, it's again, to go back to just like, you know, we're on tour from now until the end of next year. We're booked till the end of next year. Right. And, and, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. You travel a lot and you miss your family and, you know, it's not always like, woo, I can't wait to go to Casper, Wyoming and, you know, whatever, but right. it's not a bad job, Nick, right. as far as jobs go. Um, if, if you get tired of it, just, you got my number so you can give me a call. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump right in. I'll do it for, I'll do it for 20 grand. That, really? Every, every two weeks. Yeah, sure. Oh, that's pretty good. All right. <laughs> Never know. Something happens to wing one of my arms or a limb or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. I know, right. I know we'll most of your tunes too. So All right. I'm we'll, there. We'll probably have to just play the songs that you know, but that's okay. That'll work. This session is brought to you by DW Drums. And as you know, Chad just actually switched to DW Drums. And there's a reason for that because they make great handcrafted drums here in the U.S. And they're just amazing people. And he and Don Lombardi are super close because Don, who owns DW, is an amazing dude, amazing family over there, like I said. And you can learn all about DW Drums at dwdrums.com. Also, Evans wants to remind you to let no circle box you in. The new level 360 head gives you precise tuning range and a wide range of tonal possibilities for an absolute perfect fit every time. Be sure to check them out at evansdrumheads.com. Now let's get back into it with my man, Chad Smith. Uh, so one thing you had mentioned uh, earlier about about education, how how it's near and dear to your heart, and I think that most you know a lot of people don't know about that side of what you do is sort of your charitable contributions and how passionate you are about education, and you've put out albums you know for uh, kids albums and things like that, and obviously one of the things that sticks out is like the will the Will Farrell thing that you guys did. Um, and what, but it was, what was it to benefit? It was, um, the Will Ferrell thing. Yeah. Um, well, we've done two. We did the thing on the Jimmy Fallon show. Right. And that was for little kids. Rock was mine. And his is, is, uh, cancer for college, which is for uh, cancer survivors that are the young people that, uh, uh, it enables them to give them scholarships to go to college. Right. Really right. Great. And, and, um, and then we did we did another show. I mean, the, the, the Jimmy Fallon thing went so well; everybody freaked out about it. That right. we were like, "Let's you know, let's do let's do some let's do a show." What did like, you do? Overdub drums for him, and then you played, and then he went, and then you guys. No, Questlove was playing. Oh, was it Quest? I wasn't sure if it was if it was yeah. overdub or if it was Quest playing. No, Quest was playing, and and Will was was uh, karaoke. Nice, Phantom Army, sort of. Yeah. So how did that whole how did that whole thing come about anyway? The Jimmy Fallon thing, yeah, or just uh, yeah, this whole. Oh, with Will, oh, we put, so we played the Super Bowl 
couple of years ago right. with uh, Bruno Mars. And then right. like a couple of days later, Will Farrell was doing a, 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 some sort of interview with an AMA, Reddit or something. Right. Uh, and one of the questions was, do you know you look like the Dark from Chili Peppers? And he said, no, there is no Will Farrell. There is only Chad Smith. <laughs> so I get wind of it and I'm like, really? Well, last time I checked, I'm me. So uh, I challenge you there, Mr. Actor Funny Man, to a drum off. And he accepted. And um, we chatted on the phone a little bit. And he was like, you know, thanks for doing it. We were there, oh, we'll do a drum off if we raise, you know, X amount of dollars. Right. I can't remember what it was, $300,000, $400,000. And, you know, immediately, boom, you know, like in two days or something. So, um, yeah, and, then, and and that was it. We just went on the show and. Had to, had our you know, drum drum off, so to speak. Right, right, <laughs> nice. That's good. And then, then another, and so once, so you know, it was such a big you know success that we did a show here in L.A. at the Shrine in uh, April, and he brought a bunch of comedians, and I brought the Chili Peppers and Devo and a bunch of drummers, and we had a another night of uh, charity, and that one was again for his for Cancer for College, and mine was for uh, Flea has a school called the Silver Lake Conservatory of Music that he's had for about 11 years, which is a non-profit music school that we're actually doing another benefit for on Friday. And um, uh, that money went, went to the school for him. And um, Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, it's easy for me, Nick, because growing up, that's all I had. That's, that's in school. That's why basically probably I graduated from high school and got through school because there were music classes. Right in public school, and that's the first thing that gets cut these days. Always six million, six million kids in American public schools that are, do not have music and art. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, I took all the classes we had. You know, in my little high school in the suburb of Detroit, we had marching band, symphonic band, concert band, uh, jazz band, and and even a music theory class. And, you know, I wasn't so interested in math and social studies and English. <laughs> so that, that without those classes, I would have never, I would have bailed high school. <clears throat> and so I think it's, it's every kid's right to be exposed, at least be exposed to art and music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it should be part of the curriculum, not an elective. And so I, I you know, went to lobbied in Washington and I'm part of the turnaround arts program the president has where I have a school that's a real underperforming school outside of um, Monterey, California, that I go and, and uh, there's, it's, it's basically art and music oriented. It's, that's what leads the curriculum. curriculum. And uh, I go up there, you know, a couple times a year. And, 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 and I mean, they were talking, these guys are really poor, super, super poor. Right. And, and uh, we give them musical instruments and all kinds of stuff. And it's from, you know, Funded from the from the government, it's one of the actual programs that work, <laughs> right. and all these in the schools are, are do great. You know, the kids get excited about that's the fun. That's the fun part of school, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 they do Jungle Book and 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 they they play music and um, and I just show up and they just think it's just great that someone cares about them. It gives them hope. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they don't know why. Most of them probably don't know who I am. Thing, but they, you know, that like somebody would come up and spend a day with them, play music, and talk to them about performing or whatever, just to just to show up, right? And not and, only that, and, I mean, they show that that students, or specifically young children, who play an instrument, take lessons, study music, that they have better academics. Yeah, and that those, they, those are those are facts. Yep. Yeah, and and they, the attendance is better. Yep. The parent by the, the the parents get involved. They're making, you know, forests for the Jungle Book or or whatever. It, it, everything, attendance, uh, behavior, every yeah. behavior, everything. Yeah, it's all better, and it, and it's been proven. And these and these programs are doing great, and it's really exciting to see. Um, and I just you know I'm, I just think that that's. I'm not saying everybody has to play an instrument or everyone has to, you know, be a painter or whatever, but you need, you should be exposed to that. Right. At least on some level. Yeah. On some level. Right. So do you, you play other instruments too, don't you? Uh, Not well, but I do. 
Yeah, I play some guitar. I play a little piano. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, I, I kind of have to stick to the drum. I'm not playing on any Chili Pepper albums anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> They're not asking me to play guitar. For right. <laughs> so I got a I got a couple uh, uh, couple more questions for. You. I don't want to I don't want to hold you up too long. I want to be respectful right. of your time. So. Um, oh, good. So I know that at one point you were living in both Malibu and New York. You were sort of splitting time, right? Yeah. Yeah, more. I lived in New York in 2011 for like four years, mostly in New York. Okay. But yeah, I come back and forth a little bit. Just yeah. as oh, so you still have a spot here too? I don't. I don't. I. I. I, I no. In. Uh, in we were in Gramercy Park in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and our kids were going to school and everything. And my wife is from New York, so she uh, wanted okay. to basic. That's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. Ah, but. Uh, we have a place in Montauk in New York at the end of mm. Long Island, which is beautiful, which we love. And we go there, uh, you know, whenever we can, certainly in the summertime. Yeah. But, um, no, the city is a little too much for me. A little, a little too, the energy and the cold and the, yeah, the cold know, crowded and, and dirty. And yeah, you know, I mean, it has a lot to offer, but I prefer being out here in my, in my elbow. And it's a little, it's like pretty much the opposite of Manhattan. It's completely the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it just suits me better. But you know, you have to happy wife, ha- happy wife, happy life. I'm just—I've only been married for a little over a year, so I'm just—I'm figuring all that out. It's—it's it's, it's, you know, process. it's part of the deal. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, there's compromise and everything, and and that's that's one of them. So right, but um, it's a, you know, yeah, it, New York is cool. There was—I did fun things there too, and um, I got to play music with people and did a record with Bill Laswell. It was really fun. And, um, no, I but, didn't realize yeah. how many other people you've played with. Yeah, I'm a real musical whore. <laughs> yeah, I'll just play. We're just going to pull guys. that part out and then just, <laughs> and just loop it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hi, this is Chad Journal Smith. with Chad Smith, musical whore. Hi, I'm a musical whore. <laughs> <laughs> musical whore, that's right. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I just like, like play, Cash man. And like, yeah. I, I, oh man. That was, well, that was, that was, could have been one of the highlights talking about playing with other people. That was amazing. I, I my, music my old drum instructor played with him once and he mm. was like, he was just playing an acoustic guitar and he was like, just insanely amazing. Yeah. So how did, crazy. how did that whole thing happen? Well, Rick Rubin was doing, you know, his, 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 uh, working with him and he was doing his first record and it was American recordings and he was just playing by himself, just a guitar and singing. And that was it. And then Rick said, well, what if we put a band behind John? He used to call him John. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's what he wanted to do. And so Rick calls the typical Rick, like, like 94 or something. Calls me up at home and I'm like having dinner or something at six o'clock and he's like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? And I said, oh, nothing. He goes, You want to come down and record with Johnny Cash? And I'm like, <laughs> Phone is like, yeah, there's a video of the phone is like dangling and I'm like on my motorcycle down, down the hill already. And I lived really close to East West, oh, at the time it was called Ocean Wave, now it's called East West, the famous Hollywood studio Rick used to work out of a lot and I, we made a lot of records there. So I, I I zoom down there and um, I walk in the back and nobody in the control room and I walk into the tracking room. There's nobody in there, and, but in the vocal booth, you know where where, where the singer sings, where it kind of looks like a little closet. Um, there's Johnny Cash with the kind of readers on and down on his nose and he's looking at a music stand. He's got his guitar and I'm like, fuck, I go, right, I'm gonna go up to him introduce myself do you get starstruck at all uh johnny cash was yeah i was pretty like because growing up in my house it was my dad's music my dad wasn't a musician but he loved music his his top three were elvis frank sinatra and johnny cash Mm. and so i hear many 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 johnny cash records and so, and you know, when you're a kid, you're like, ah, this is old people's music, and you know, I don't, right. don't want to play Black Sabbath, but you know, that's pretty quality stuff my dad was listening to. But uh, I was like, I walk in, and, and I just, and, and he opens the door, and 
and I'm probably, I'm the drummer. <laughs> Stick my hand out, and he looks at me, and he goes, and he says in that in, in, in that voice, "Hello, I'm Johnny Cash." <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck! Yeah, no shit! That was a bubble over my head. And so he immediately, he goes, um, hey, um, they kind of come up with songs, and I got this one here from Dolly Parton that Rig wants me to do called Bird on a Wire, which is actually a Leonard Cohen song, but he, he was doing the Dolly Parton version of it. And so he starts strumming and singing the song to me. Like, I'm standing right next to him, just met the guy. Sings the whole song. Sounds great. I'm like, yo, should we do that? I'm like, absolutely, Mr. Sure. Cat. That would be, that's a good, because there's another one here that, uh, there's Danzig Boy that, that Rick knows. It's called 13. Starts playing the song, saying it to me, and I'm just like, I'm getting my own private Johnny Cash concert. I just met right. the guy like that. And, and what, was, what was really cool and interesting is like immediate, like I'm, you know, much younger than him at the time. And, and He's like, I'm a peer, you know, I'm a musical. He's like, if you're your Rick's guy, then, then, you know, you're okay with me. And right. he's treating me like, you know, Hey, what do you think of this? And let's collaborate, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he well, was, Johnny, I'd do a little different if I were you, but how's your falsetto? <laughs> yeah. No, you know, he, he, he was, he was amazing. It, I mean, what an icon of Johnny Cash. And he was totally, it was Mike Campbell from Tom Petty's band, me, me and Flea. I think that was it on the session. Later on, like I think got some other guys to overdub, but I think it was just the four of us. Is that the same? And we played like five, six songs on on that, and it was it was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I like I love the fact that he just sort of leveled the playing field and was like, "Hey, we're all, you know, we're sort of all equal here." And yeah, and yeah. and it carried on through. We were tracking, and and he would say, "You know, what do you? How does how that how that one feel? And what do you think of that? You know, Rick." obviously make his suggestions, but we're all coming up with our parts on the fly. We, I didn't know what songs we were going to do. We did some covers and songs I didn't know. We did do Heart of Gold by Neil Young, which ended up on one of his um, like records. And um, yeah, he would, you know, he was, he was open and, and, and just, you know, just a total pro. Just like, it was amazing. It was, it was really incredible. That's awesome. Such a good story. So one so question about uh your motorcycle and I read I think I've read this somewhere or somebody told me this or something that you're the only musician to have an endorsement with Harley Davidson. Who who is? I I don't have an endorsement with Harley Davidson. No, I, I do. I wish I did. <laughs> Where's my motorcycle? <laughs> Where's my fucking bike? Those things are expensive. No, I don't I don't have it. I'm lost in the mail cuz I'm not getting <laughs> I, thought, I I read that somewhere about you, or someone told me that, or that's, that is that is not true. I made it up in my head. I yeah. don't know. I think I, mean, I wit, dude, hook me up. <laughs> I mean, I've 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 rode. You know, I'm a I'm a Harley enthusiast. I've, I mean, I'm not a real Harley lifestyle. You know, wear the leather jacket and and, uh, and as far as you know, go to Sturgis and all that stuff. But but I've been riding bikes for over thirty years, and, and yeah, I got a couple of them, but um. No, I don't. They don't give that shit away. Right. I've tried. Yeah. You know, I've I've certainly tried. Like, hey, you know, we could do uh, something together. Yeah, and I've been out when they had their hundredth anniversary. I rode in, in Milwaukee with them, and and I know my brother actually lives in Milwaukee, and he is friendly with some people that work there, but they've never given me a bike or anything like that. No. Well, that sucks. I was all excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> Sorry. So one last question. Uh, so if you had sort of some advice for, for people that were coming up now as a drummer, just maybe not necessarily for the the music business, but, but as a drummer, what's some advice that you would impart on upcoming drummers and, and some things that you see that maybe need to be addressed? Um, well, first of all, there's no shortcuts in, 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 um, effort and hard work pay off. So, you know, if you think you got your one fill and you got a, a pretty cool beat, you're going to be playing Madison Square Garden. It doesn't, doesn't happen like that. And like, I see young people in our culture today, it's like, they want it right now. And, you know, but there's no, I don't feel that there's nothing that replaces just playing a lot with everybody and learning 
and 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 you know working at your craft. If you if you love it and you're passionate about it and you want to get good and you and and you want to become successful, whatever that means, whether it's playing with your friends on the weekends, whether it's playing in clubs professionally, or you get lucky, get to make a record, you know, whatever. Um, that you you got to put a lot of work into it. You got to play all the time and with as many different people. Like that's one of the things when I was growing up, I kind of, I was really into it. Was like I was telling you that music, I, I played a lot of more rock stuff and, and was a little bit, um, you know, because that's what I really liked and I, and it makes sense. You want to play what you like, but to become a more well-rounded musician, which can only help you no matter what kind of music you're playing is to, you know, indulge you, you're, you're in the craft of learning different kinds of music, you know, whether it's jazz, blues, funk, you know, R&B, reggae, whatever, um, electronic, whatever kind of music that, I mean, is the, that will help you become a better player and seek that out. There's always good quality music in each of those genres. Mm-hmm. And figure out like why does everyone like Bob Marley so much? That's what I was like. Well, what's, what's, I don't know, like reggae. I was like, it's so weird, you know. It's like why does everybody like Bob Marley so much? What is it, you know? Or Johnny Cat, you know? That you know, what what is it? And try to get in there and and you know, I put records on and played along to them, you know. And I pretend like I was in the band, you know. And I mean, you know, all kinds. of you name it. Right. Alice Cooper, Van Halen, Grand Funk, Doors, you know, rock stuff because it was fun. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But try to, it, I, one of my regrets of, of, of playing earlier on was that I didn't uh, investigate more different kinds of music. And I think that will really help you. And also having, if you can find a, a good teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's in your school or private lessons, if you go, you go, if you're lucky or whatever, find somebody that that you connect with, and um, and that, that that a good teacher is very helpful as well. But just in general, I just think it's just like do it because you love it, and if you're young, do it, have fun. Like it's not all oh I, you know I've got to you know be on TV or I got to do this or I got to do that, and like it's not a competition. Music isn't a competition voice and the, these TV shows and shit like I don't like that because it's it's it turns know, it into a me, sport yeah and I don't think music isn't about like everyone's what's the best and who's better and who's faster and everyone wants to play really super fast and that's cool I appreciate that I, I, I could I want to play fast too but like at the end of the day you're a drummer and if you're playing in a rock band or you're playing some sort of popular youth culture music the drums aren't going a thousand miles an hour. You know, you, for me and me, I probably sound like an old fart, but like, it's about making it music feel good and, and playing something that's musical. And often drumming, it's can be a supportive role. And he, and my band, that's what I do. I get to do shit, but at the end of the day, it's like play for the song. And it, I think that takes a while to get to that place and you're playing. Right that you're comfortable with that and that you're, it's just, there is kind of a maturing process because when you're young, you want to play all your shit and you hey, look at me. And, um, I still you know, do I, that. Same, yeah, <laughs> I, I did that too. I still do it sometimes too. But when you're making records right. that are going to be there forever, you know, yeah. you got to play for the song. And at the end of the day, I think the most important thing, sure, it's great to have your chops together and be able to do what you want to do what's in your head and come out your hands and feet, but you have to be a good listener. Any musician listening is the most important thing. Listen to the other players. Um, and, and that will dictate what is, uh, what musical choices you should make. And, and, and that's what people are going to want to play with somebody that, that listens. Don't put your head down and fucking just go for it. And, you know, and then look up at the end of the song, (laughs) you know, done yet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I was great. I got mine. How about you? You know, I mean, you gotta be, you play with dynamics and those are all things that take time and experience and playing with lots of different people in lots of different situations. Um, you know, in this day and age of, of, of computers and click tracks and like that stuff's important too, to be able to keep time 
and, and have good time. But lots of times that's a, just a natural thing. We all speed up and slim down. We're humans. But um, to go back to what I was saying about playing a lot, the more you play, you know, it's kind of like driving a car. Driving a car, you know, it's kind of, there's other things that happen every day that are different. And, but, but the more you do it, the more you get used to it, the better you get at it, the more natural it feels to you. And, and, and then it's, and then you're just kind of, you know, you're not thinking about pressing pedals and shifting and all that stuff. You're just kind of doing it. So, um, yeah, I I do it because you love it and and have fun. Make it fun. I still, it's fun, man. Like, you know, if you're smiling up there and people vibe off that, the people you're playing with, the people that are watching and listening to you, and um, people will want to play with you if you're like that. Now I'm just, you know, I don't know. Right. That's for that's how I like it. I'm with you. <laughs> well, Chad, thank you for uh, my pleasure for everything, man. It's great to find. I don't know how you and I didn't cross paths, you know, being being in Oxnard all the time, and I know you pop in there frequently. So uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm sure that I'm going to see you now. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll see you every week now that we've, <laughs> now that we've talked. If I'm not on tour. Now I'm I'm not living in New York. I'm back in Malibu. So yeah, I'm 20 30 minutes away. Go up and see Uncle Don. He's got a couple things for me. I'm always bugging him now that I'm a DW in Dorsey. Oh, we didn't even talk about Very that. Very exciting. I, mean, I know. I, um, no big deal. I was just, you know, now that I'm I'm playing, you know, before it was the Jump Channel stuff. And, um, yeah, so I, I've got, um, you know, a, a wing, a Chad wing where they're making, you know, new drum sets for me you know, every other week. I got a purple one I played at the Rams game the other day. It looks beautiful. Nice. Sounds good too, but uh, you know I gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just keep them running around. But uh, yeah, I'll see you up there, man. Good deal. Again, thank you, Chad, and uh, for everything. For I'll get all the links and everything for your charities and everything. Put them in the show notes so that people can check them out at uh, on, on the site and everything to make sure that people are aware of that. And for everybody listening, go check out the Chili Peppers on tour. They're on tour all through Europe in 2016, all through North America on 2000 in 2017. So do that. And again, Chad, thank you. I appreciate it. Nick, you're a smart. Handsome, powerful man. Oh, we're gonna loop that one too. We're definitely looping that. One. <laughs> I'm a musical whore, and Nick is smart, powerful, and handsome. That's all you need. So there he is, Chad Smith. I hope you enjoyed that. That was an awesome interview for me. Definitely a bucket list interview. Also, for all the links to Chad's charities and links to Chili Peppers and their tour dates and all that stuff, be sure to visit drummersresource.com forward slash session 210. I'd love to hear your feedback. Shoot me an email. Message me on social. Also, all my personal stuff is on social too. So you can reach me at Nick Ruffini on any of those or Nick underscore Ruffini. Just search my name. You can you can find me, but I would love to hear your your feedback of this uh, interview. It was definitely a fun time for me, and sort of went a little unexpected. I thought it was going to be a little a little wilder, to be honest with you. And uh, it, but it was great. It was. I think that Chad really delivered on it, and I, and, and I appreciate it. And I'm glad that he did. So, until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. <laughs>